Welcome back to A Dragon Tamer's Fable. If you haven't listened to the previous episodes, please do. This is a full-length novel, and you're going to get lost if you don't start with the prologue. In Chapter 74, Malum unleashed his secret weapon. In this episode, Chapter 75, Lumen makes a decision she will likely regret for the rest of her life. Alright, let's dive in. It was originally a hunter's cabin, halfway between Imperior and the Unluster Sea to the north. Sebastian and the kids found it when they were camping one summer. It was Lumen's idea to turn it into a secret base, a hideaway, during the war. Though, she never imagined she'd be one of the people staying at it. The little cabin had no connection to the Michaelis family, so it was doubtful Malum would either be aware of its location or link it to the royals. Minor renovations and repairs had been done before Imperior was evacuated, as such, the cabin was rather cozy. Regardless, Fauna paced. Back and forth, back and forth, between the windows, in front of the hearth. Their guards remained intense outside, and to any onlookers, it could easily have been a large hunting party staying in the area. Tanner and Lumen made it believable, taking out their bows in the early mornings. The pine forest was peaceful and untouched by the Nin. There were no signs of strife, or a ravaged, pillaged country. Theo's daughters lit up the cabin with their laughter and sweetness, but Fauna was unaffected by them. Mum, please settle down, Tanner implored anxiously from the settee. Fauna was following her usual pacing route. At this rate, she's going to wear down the floorboards and walk on the beams, Lumen muttered, skinning a rabbit on the table. Perhaps we could do some patchwork, Fauna, Laura, Ryan's wife, suggested. Fauna was silent. She stopped at the window. Her gray eyes analyzed the outdoors. Rain. Was it raining on the battlefield? I don't think she heard you, Mum. Lillian said quietly, braiding little Maria's hair. Why don't we sing something, Fawn? Her brother suggested cheerfully. I made sure guitar was brought up for Tan to play. Fauna watched a raindrop slip down the pane. Were her loved ones standing in the rain, drenched to the skin? splattered with mud and sweat, and Greats knew what else. She began to pace again. Theo clicked his tongue. Fine. Pace forever, then. I will pace until I know they're safe, Fauna replied shortly. The cabin was, in reality, only two short days from Magnitectus by carriage. It was far enough to keep them safe, and close enough that no one would expect them to be there. At first, they thought of sending the Regent family to sea, but if Malum brought enough dragons, he could easily find a ship. And then, it was simply a matter of burning it to a crisp with flamethrowers. The dense forest was safest. Ryan was instructed to take the group east to the Ionctera Sea if the Cayenne failed. Romofsi would protect the family of the Great Tamer and those traveling with them. Fauna shuddered to think of such things. After all, it wasn't just her husband at war. Lumen stirred in the night and left her cot for a glass of water. She stopped short before the open room comprised of the kitchen and parlor. Someone was speaking quietly. Lumen poked her head around the corner. 
the room was warm from the fireplace. Its glow cast light on Ryan and two other guards. Have to be more diligent than we have been. With the battle beginning today, the chance of an attack increases. Malum may want to try and use them to get to the king. Lumen needed to find a clock. Learning if it was past midnight was essential. Today. Which today? If it was after midnight and the battle began at dawn, Lumen would have to wait. If she appeared too soon, she would be discovered and sent back to the cabin. However, if it was prior to midnight and a day of fighting had already occurred, she would need to leave immediately. The battle wouldn't likely last for more than two or three days total, since dragons were involved. And Lumen needed to be a part of the Second Battle of Alor, very likely the last war to carry their family name. Lumen snuck over to Tanner's cot. He was sleeping soundly, with his left arm draping over the side of the bed. She crouched down and squinted to read the little figures on his wristwatch. 11.33 in the evening. She tiptoed to her own cot. The small layout of the cabin meant four cots to a room. The daring girl hastily changed into her riding clothes and grabbed her satchel. It was already packed with the bare essentials, including edible wafers, a change of clothes, her bracers, and her dagger. She carefully lifted her quiver and bow over her shoulder. The only thing left to do was escape. The cool fall air would sweep in if she opened a window, and it would cause someone to wake. Her other option was to sneak out the front door, but a guard was posted around the clock. She bit her lip. Guards would be walking the perimeter as well. Ryan ran tight security. Lumen crept over to the window. She could fit through it easily. Tanner and her mother would be mortified to catch her sneaking out the window. Nevertheless, that was exactly what she did. She cracked it ajar and thanked the grates that there was no breeze. She was straddling the windowsill when Tanner huffed in his sleep. Glow. The hairs on the back of her neck stood on end. I'm screwed, she thought. She looked over and found that Tanner was talking in his sleep. She slipped out of the window and closed it with a sigh of relief. Then, she ran for it. Silent as a field mouse, she dashed into the tree line. Ren had taught her how to move with the grace of an elf. She could run like a deer and sword duel with the fluidity of a flowing river. She inherited her father's commanding stride, however, and no amount of training would make her more delicate. It was unlikely a guard had seen her run off. Sable would have noticed another dragon searching for her. Lumen ran until she believed she was a safe distance from the cabin. Sable was waiting for her in a little clearing. Ready? Lumen hopped onto her dragon's feathered back. Yes. Don't tell me you don't want to go! Lumen hissed incredulously. Sable had her reservations about Lumen's escape to the battlefield. Many reservations. You are my tamer, and I will do as you please. The dragon flapped her wings and lifted off. She would have to hurry. Lumen wanted to be present for as much of the day as possible. As it was, she would have to drop the girl off away from the battleground, since somebody could recognize her and tell the great tamer. That meant that Lumen would have no one to protect her but herself. And that terrified the young dragon. Rain pattered on Sebastian's titanium armor. He held his helmet in his hand. Someone had salvaged it from the previous day. 
Apparently, there was a running bet in the Orin about how long he would wear it until it was thrown aside. Garday and Vivin lost. Sebastian gazed out over the expanse between the armies. The bodies were gone, but the ground showed every sign of a grim battle. The rain darkened the exposed soil. Vivin glanced at Seb out of the corner of his eye. Raindrops trickled down from his soaked hair over his high cheekbones. It was difficult for him to determine what the young man was thinking. But Vivin could guess. The day was going to be long, and the battle gruesome. Malum and his dragon hovered over the thousands of Nen soldiers remaining. He sent them tearing across the battlefield. No organization. Seb mounted Nocte, and the Black Opal Dragon positioned himself in front of the Cayenne army. Today will be the final day of the Nin. We fight for centuries of peace for our families. Let us put an end to this bloodshed. His quick, simple words encouraged thousands of war cries. They agreed with the Great Tamer wholeheartedly. Enough destruction and sacrifice. Malum responded by sending the Black High out after the infantry. The Cayenne were told to hold their line, so that meant one thing. The Cayenne dragons and tamers flew across the sky to meet their enemies. The clash hit in the sky before the ground. Dragons tore at each other, and tamers shot arrows at each other or threw spears. Some of the bold preferred to jump from dragon to dragon, facing their fellow tamers head on. If Seb wasn't wearing heavy metal armor, he would be doing exactly that. Instead, he fought on the ground, while Nocte fought above. As the dragons became wounded, they landed and dueled below. Soldiers had to stay clear of the vicious battles, or risk injury. No one wanted to be smacked to the ground by a lashing tail. The dragons maintained control of their emotions for a time. Their flamethrowers would be saved for later, when fewer humans were alive. Odax kept repeating in his head the words his father had sent to him that morning. If you're overwhelmed at any point, tell Ale. I'll find you. He repeated the words as a reminder to himself, to not rely on his father. This day in battle was his time to prove he was worthy of protecting Zaraid. However, as the morning went on, Odax truly understood what his father meant. The rain had stopped and sunlight leaked through the clouds. Not only were the dragons on the ground, so were the pygmies. It seemed like everyone was screaming, in pain or at each other. There was a foe at every turn, and Odax marveled at the older warriors who kept up the pace. His muscles had never ached so bad as when he woke up that morning, and he was young. It happened in the blink of an eye. A fresh wave of Nin charged the royal battalion from the west. The Cayenne surged to defend. There was a sharp cry of agony, and when the young princes saw who it came from, they froze on the spot. Three swords stuck out of Ren, two in his chest and one in his thigh. He was on his knees when another Nin plunged their sword into his back. Zared's gut wrenched when he heard Kael call his friend's name in anguish. Ren! Ren collapsed onto his side, and there was a sudden frenzy of attacks from the elves. Flashes of red, green, and yellow shot across the battlefield, and their sabers shone in the sun. Grimmin and two other Manus defended Ren while Lord Oril and Kael knelt next to him. When the elvish king shook his head helplessly, Kael ripped out the sword from between his friend's shoulder blades. He eased Ren onto his back 
and gripped his hand as he died. Odax and Zayraid saw a thick stream of blood running from the Manu's mouth. He mumbled something to his elder. Ren's hand went limp in Kael's. In an instant, Lord Oral dashed out of the way, and Grimmon hauled Kyle to his feet and pushed him away from the elf's body. Renlin dropped out of the sky, landing over her tamer's corpse. The dragon let out a heart-rending roar, nudging his face with her muzzle. Odax felt a catch in his throat. She had been with her tamer for over a century, and now... Suddenly, an enemy dragon hit the ground next to her and clamped onto her wing. Renlin snapped and swung her paw. Odax felt his body make a lurch forward to move, to protect her, but it was too late. A swarm of three other black high dragons descended on her faster than anyone could help her. The gorgeous, fine-scaled dragon was torn apart without budging from Ren's corpse. It happened so quickly that Odax felt dizzy. Renlin's lifeless body lay next to her tamers. One of her wings was hanging on by a few tendons. Her stomach had been slashed open. Her neck crushed. Nocte landed next to her and stared at her corpse for a moment. Then, his eyes rested on a dragon whose muzzle was still crimson. Just as Nocte launched over his mate's corpse, someone shouted at the princes. Hey, what are you doing? It was Alice. She ran over to them with a sword in each hand. Raise your weapons! This isn't the place to rest! Odax turned his gaze to the gory scene. Ren. Kyle and Grimmon personally trained the young elf for the Kingsguard, and had spent decades doing so. Seeing him suffer and die on a foreign battlefield must have been horrible for them. Alice barely batted an eyelash when she saw Ren and Rinlin together. Look around you! No, look! She sheathed the sword and grabbed Odax's arm, forcing him to turn. Soldiers were desperately trying to blockade the princes from the Nin's forces. They don't know why you've lowered your weapons, but they know they have to protect you. Ren died doing the exact same, protecting you. Don't let his death go to waste. Alice's entreaty snapped Zayraid out of his shock. Sebastian had said something very similar the night before. The crown prince gave Odax's shoulder a rousing push. Standing next to them was a graying warrior who had been injured the previous day, and she was having to remind them to fight. Odax gave his head a shake. The Great Tamer was with the elves, and he too had seen Ren's corpse, but none of them stopped to grieve. They fought back even harder. The princes ran over to the Regent King and pushed back the Nin line. When they had a chance to breathe, Seb pulled off his helmet and searched the young man's eyes. Are you both alright? Are you holding up? We're fine, Odax nodded. You came from the southern front, didn't you? How is it looking? Zerade asked, lifting the visor on his golden helmet. Seb pressed his lips together. Not great. The pygmies are wreaking havoc. Our generals and captains are trying to strategize, but this is chaotic. Things aren't looking good. His response was honest and flat. Arthur jammed his sword into a nin's helmet, spraying blood. A pygmy dragon leapt past the Nin soldier, ignored Art, and went for a nearby Cayenne soldier. Alice slashed down the dragon before it could attack. Odax stared pensively at the little dragon's corpse. Then, he hurriedly unclasped his cloak and ran off. Hey! 
Seb shouted after him. Odax raced past the dueling dragons and humans, clutching his cloak. He spotted a soldier forcing back a pygmy with their shield and shouted, Catch that pygmy! The nearby Cayenne gawked at him. Catch the vicious creature? Do it, Seb commanded, appearing next to his son. The Cayenne somehow managed to pin down the feral dragon, and Odax approached it with his cloak behind his back. The pygmy ignored him, snapping and snarling at its captor. As soon as it saw the flash of white from Odax's cloak, it lunged at him. The soldier holding it was dragged forward by the force. Zeri didn't understand what his friend was doing until the cloak was thrown to the ground, and the pygmy once again ignored Odax. The teen picked it up again, and the pygmy lunged. That's it! That's why they're attacking our medics more than anyone else! Odax exclaimed. The medics, sorrows included, wore white attire. The Cayenne had white cloaks with their symbol imprinted as part of their uniform. Except for Seb, Zerid, and their personal guards. Malums trained them, well, tortured them to attack anyone wearing white. That's why they're not touching the Nin, Odax explained. Seb glanced at the writhing dragon behind his son. Let's test that theory. He chose a random Nin bandit running past and shoved him so that he lost balance. As the black armored soldier stumbled, Seb smashed his fist into the man's helmet. The Great Tamer hauled him over to the pygmy dragon. The little creature ignored them and continued to try to bite its captors. Then, Seb led the nin to Odax, who took the white cloak in his son's hands and stuffed it into the man's neckline. The soldier was still dazed from Seb's punch as he was shoved back towards the snarling pygmy. Release it, Seb ordered. The pygmy dragon pounced onto the nin instantly, tearing at the iron armor with its razor-sharp teeth. The soldier threw the dragon off, and Seb nodded to his guards. They slashed down both the nin and the pygmy mercilessly. Seb plopped a hand on Odax's head. Well done. We can even the playing field a bit more now. Zayraid watched the scene thoughtfully. I have an idea. Meanwhile, across the expansive battlefield, a young tamer was pleading with her dragon. Sable, don't come here. If someone recognizes you, they'll- I can't feel her anymore. Something's wrong. The panicked dragon used Fox Draco. I'm sure Ren is fine. Nocte wouldn't let anything happen to her. Lumen stabbed a Nin axe wielder in their armpit, where the armor was weak. As the soldier crumpled with pain, Lumen slashed their throat. She had run from the nearest tree line and hastily donned a helmet and white cloak. She found a discarded hand in a half-sword and was set. The only armor she had on other than her helmet were her personal bracers. None of the fallen Cayenne soldiers would be her size. Lumen couldn't tell which side was winning. The soldiers were jumbled. Not even the reserve lines existed anymore. Dragons were battling in the air and on the ground, and every so often she would catch a glance of a pygmy dragon. The teen was almost thankful for the confusion of the battle. It allowed her to blend in seamlessly. She did wish she could see her family members, because she had no doubt that they were brilliant fighters. However, she would have to hold off until the battle was near its end. It didn't seem particularly close to that moment yet. Suddenly, there was an order shouted and repeated by nearby Cayenne. Take off your cloaks! 
Lumen ducked as a mace swung at her head. Take off her cloak? It was partially hiding the fact that she wasn't wearing armor. The cayenne near her ripped off their white cloaks and tossed them on the ground. The sea of black and white became black and brown since the cayenne had ogre hide armor. Several people hurried around, picking up the cloaks. Lumen handed hers off, though she didn't understand why. It was a rather unusual request. She gave her head a shake as she felt Sable's anxiety creep into her chest and stabbed her newfound sword at a foe. Zayraid watched a mountain of white cloaks form. The Great Tamer hopped on his dragon, and Nocte flew over the battleground, igniting the piles. Zayraid had no doubt that his plan would work. By eliminating the white material, the Pygmies wouldn't have a specific target. They would attack anyone, including the Nin. The Crown Prince knew for a fact that the enemy barely had a medical unit. He suspected that they didn't have a counter for the anticoagulant properties of the Pygmy's saliva. The Cayenne, at least, stood a fighting chance against the little dragons. Sure enough, once the Pygmies couldn't see anyone wearing white, they ruthlessly attacked everyone. Sebastian was thrilled that the boys had changed the tide of the battle together. The Cayenne were still in the losing position, but if they could rally, they had a chance to win. They needed to win. Seb wouldn't allow for anything else. Another hour passed, and Seb came to the realization that the Nin were still quite a bit better off. Their iron armor blocked pygmy attacks better than Ogrehide. He heard someone groan behind him. The Great Tamer saw a wounded young man propped up against two Nin bodies. The Cayenne soldier gripped underneath his thigh. He was sitting in a pool of blood, likely his own. Seb knelt down next to him. Vivin and the others were distracted with duels, so Seb had a moment alone. Pygmy? he asked. The young man nodded in pain. Seb pulled off his left gauntlet and found the chain around his neck. Here. He uncorked a vial and offered it to the wounded soldier. No, sir, I couldn't. The young man winced as his leg involuntarily jerked. Of course you can. Here. Seb helped the cayenne drink the dark violet liquid. Then, he hid the empty vial under the corpse of the nin behind him. I'll summon a medic. But why? The young man grunted, searching the great tamer's honey-brown eyes. There's so many others dying too. Seb gave him a friendly smile. You aren't much older than my boys. If they were injured, I'd want someone to help them too. He pulled on his gauntlet and whistled sharply. The young man watched with blurring vision as two guards came to them instantly. They were a fair bit older, but he could tell they were unquestionably deadly. One had a stern expression and a sword, and the other had a warhammer and glasses. Get a medic over here. This soldier needs immediate attention. Just before the young man blacked out, he felt the great tamer squeeze his hand reassuringly. Hang in there, kid. Zayraid mounted Kruor and flew high into the sky while Kael and Odax were preoccupied. The scarlet and black splotched dragon raced through the air. The crown prince had decided it was time. No one had asked him to, in fact, it hadn't been mentioned once. But the Kayan needed the battle to shift in their favor. 
They had lost far more soldiers than expected, in contrast to fewer soldiers by the Nin. Kror flew his tamer to Malum, who was riding his dragon as well. The Nin leader had his dragon use his flamethrower to torch those below, in some cases hitting his own soldiers. The bastard prince has come to ask for mercy, Malum commented as his dragon ceased belching flames. Hardly. I came to take your life, Zerid said coolly. So direct. Leo was rather the opposite, sugar-coating everything. It was a talent. Zerid narrowed his eyes. I didn't come to speak about a man I've never met. Let's finish this. Malum clicked his tongue. Don't be so hasty, boy. I couldn't help but notice Alor left the orphan boy at home. Tell me, does the child resent Alor? Resent him, Zerid repeated angrily. They took him in when he had no one. Malim smiled, making the crown prince uncomfortable. Do you know why he had no one? Zerid was flustered. He didn't come with the intent of conversation. The child's father tried to use him to assassinate Alor. You do know what that means, don't you? Zerid clenched his fists, and Kuror growled uneasily. Shut up. It's rather like the royals to hide something of that nature. In fact, that's why we are here, having this conversation. Below them, many people watched the scene unfold in apprehension. None of them, however, were as anxious as Kael. It was written all over the elf's face. The fighting near them had halted momentarily to watch the faded battle. Grimmon glanced at his friend. He knew how badly the man who wanted to be up there, but it almost seemed like the elf was scared. Dad, Odax asked quietly, do you think he can win? Seb held his helmet under his arm so he could watch the sky. He responded by pressing his lips firmly together. Odax felt a jolt of fear rip through his body as his best friend faced the Nin leader. We're here because you've made poor life decisions, Zerid snapped, gripping the hilt of his sword. We are here because of your family, little prince. Melum sat forward in his saddle, resting his wrists on the saddle horn. I was head guard to your father, yes? He waited for the young man to nod. Do you know what my father did? When Zerid shook his head, Malum snarled, Of course you don't. If Leo had lived, you still wouldn't have known. My father was the head guard to Leo's father, King Arond. My family served the Michaelis line faithfully for over two centuries. I grew up at the palace, as you did. I was your age when Leo was born. I served as his guard from the time he could walk. Arond was known to be a sensible benevolent king. I agreed, until it happened. The royal carriage was returning to Imperior after an outing. A band of mercenaries had been hired to assassinate Arond. Leo was still small at the time, and was left in the carriage with his mother while the mercenaries forced Arond outside. My father, not a tamer, jumped from his horse. I was in the sky, unable to land on the narrow forest path but I could see everything quite clearly. While the other guards were held back by the mercenaries, my father tried to reason with them. His attempt failed, however. He secured Arond in the carriage before fighting for his life, which he lost. 
the Michaelis made it home safe in the end, and my father died an honorable death. But do you know what your grandfather did? Zerid didn't want to know the answer. He could tell from the tremor of rage in the Nin leader's voice that it wasn't good. Arond didn't want anyone to know about the assassination attempt. Rhydon was in the midst of a trade war with Vigos, and he did not want to seem weak. Instead, he said my father, the man who protected him since infancy, committed suicide. That he was unable to handle the high stress of his position. Malum fell silent for a moment, and his dark eyes bore holes into Zared's skull. I made certain, a number of years later, that Arond met his death as it was intended. Zared had read about his grandfather's death. A band of mercenaries murdered the king via an ambush. They left the heir to the throne unharmed. Why didn't you have my father killed that day as well? I tried, of course. However, they missed their ambush point. Kruor was able to kill the mercenaries before they could touch Leo. So there you have it, little prince. The reason why you face my army today. Once I've killed you, I will reclaim Imperior in my family's name. I will rule this kingdom and destroy any elves who try to get in my way. Malum's dragon lunged at Kruor. The young dragon dodged and dipped below. Zerid swung his longsword at the dragon's brown-scaled chest. Sparks rained down, but the enemy dragon was unscathed. It chased Kruor to the ground, where Zerid leapt off. The dragons had their aerial battle, while their tamers faced off on land. The crown prince flipped his visor and gripped the hilt of his sword with both hands. Malum approached him leisurely, keeping his unsheathed sword at his side. A gust of wind swept across the battlefield, carrying the scent of charcoal and death. To Malum's surprise, the stiff prince stepped forward to meet him. The force of his swing was heavier than imagined, driving him back. It was at that moment that the Nin leader decided to take the duel seriously. Though the prince appeared timid to Malum, his presence in battle was anything but. Zerid had the upper hand at first when he was misjudged, but the former head guard quickly recovered. Years of experience were on his side. He was trained at Magnitectus, undoubtedly by some of the best swordmasters in the world. It showed. Zerid had to duck and dodge rapidly or lose his head. The young man felt a rush of alarm. Malum was better than he was. He wasn't going to win if he had to stay on the defensive. He heard Kruor cry in pain and made a fatal mistake. He instinctively looked at his dragon. Zerid was slammed in the chest and fell back. As Malum went for the final blow, the young man raised his hand. Suddenly, a green burst of light shot from his palm. Malum was repelled backward. Without stopping to think about what happened, Zerid rolled onto his knees and pushed himself up. Malum was gripping the smoldering dent in his armor as the Rhydonian prince raced toward him. He barely had time to lift his sword before Zerid cried, Obli! The green orb slammed into Malum again, knocking him off balance. He dropped his weapon as he sat on the ground and murmured, Mercy! Zerid kicked him in the chest and swung his sword in unison, beheading the Nin leader. Aside from the roar of dueling dragons, the battlefield was silent. Zerid picked up Malum's head and held it high. 
the Cayenne cheered wildly. At that moment, Malum's dragon dropped out of the sky and snarled viciously at the crown prince. Without flinching, Zerid tossed the severed head at the dragon and regripped his sword with both hands. The enraged creature charged. As the dragon reared its head to release a flamethrower, Ale landed in front of the prince. She blocked the flames from the young man, and Kror and Nocte bore down on Malum's dragon. Ale's black, navy-splotched scales crackled and smoked. Are you alright? Zerid exclaimed, astonished by her self-sacrifice. That was nothing, she replied, turning her head to watch the others tear apart Malum's dragon. Zerid was tackled from behind by Odax. What was that, Zay? How long have you been hiding this? The young man beamed, overjoyed. My whole life, Zerid grinned, removing his golden helmet. You might be too much for me now. Odax teased as he examined Ale. I'll be fine, once my scales replace themselves. Until then, they'll be a bit brittle. Well done, Zay! Seb strode over and ruffled the young man's black hair. They'll be talking about this battle for centuries to come. Zerid blushed a bit when he saw Kael and the others approach. He said sheepishly and Ramofsian, I'm a touch more elvish than I thought. We always knew. Kyle replied simply, though he looked genuinely happy. Zerid smiled. So, the rest of the battle should run smoothly now, right? Sebastian sighed. Uh, that depends. On what? Whether or not the Nin flee or hold their ground. Grimming cut in. Seb nodded. Either way, we have a lot of work before us. We're still hurting for soldiers. That hasn't changed. Odax tisked. Don't be such a pessimist, Dad. The Great Tamer gave him a wry grin. Call me what you will, a pessimist or a realist. But if they hold their ground, we'll still be in trouble. To their credit, the Nin didn't flee as they had done when Corposus was slain. They knew they had the advantage. Pygmies still roamed the battlefield, though most were dead or escaped to freedom. Seb stumbled across the Orin as he fought his way through the Nin. Two of the Orin had been slain, though Seb didn't know them well. Kirik, who had been with Seb for part of the day, felt guilty. Orani assured him that it wouldn't have made a difference whether or not he stayed with them. Garday had been injured severely trying to defend them and was sent back to the camp. You wouldn't happen to have reinforcements lined up, would you? Summer asked, nearly breathless. What you see is what we have, the Great Tamer replied grimly. Then, there was a holler from across the field. Dragons! Everyone turned toward the shout. From nowhere, a flock of dragons appeared over the tree line. There must have been ten of them flying together, and they immediately went after the Black Eye. A massive dragon banked downward and landed in front of the Great Tamer, causing dozens of soldiers to scatter. Lane, Seb murmured in disbelief. We meet again, young one. The ancient dragon tented his powerful, crimson-fleshed wings. What are you doing here? Seb approached the legendary dragon slowly recovering from the shock of the dragon's appearance. 
The Nin have been encroaching in our territory for some time, and I have long wanted to do something about it. I am pleased that your friend has brought us here. The Elder Dragon's chest rumbled as he spoke. Friend, Seb echoed and glanced over his shoulder at Vivin, who was equally confused. Which friend? Lane Nuage's amber eyes glittered as something knocked into the Great Tamer. Chirp! Sure enough, the ruby-red pygmy dragon landed on his shoulder. Chirp rubbed his head against Seb's enthusiastically. That's where you've been? I thought you were hibernating, silly dragon. Chirp swished his tail and slid off of Seb's sleek titanium armor. Lane Nuage spoke. It would seem he made a wise decision in bringing us. We will aid you however we can, beginning with the Blakai. Thank you, old friend, Seb said sincerely. Their leader has been defeated. I want every Nin left taken care of. Best to get started, then, Lane mused, lifting his proud head. He flew off, leading the group of lone dragons against the Blakai. Sebastian looked down at his pygmy dragon. Well... Do you have enough left in you to fight? Chirp bared his teeth and growled menacingly, racing off to launch an attack. Seb turned to his group and grinned. Aren't dragons the best? The addition of a dozen more dragons aided the Cayenne considerably. The battle continued on, but it was clear once the Black High had been defeated who the victors would be. Surrenders were not accepted, so the Nin fought to the death. Alternatively, they were burnt to a crisp by the dragons if they attempted to flee. Zerid and Odax handled a separate front from Sebastian. The young men were fighting incredibly well and leading by example. No older soldier would stand the insult of being shown up by two whelps. The former Oren members found great joy in being able to fight alongside one another again. Kyrick had the swiftness of Alice's sword to defend his back. The swings of his warhammer were powerful, but they were slow. Slower than they used to be, as Bevan pointed out. Sommer and Orani were able to tag-team their opponents without having to worry about Kyrick. Seb kept mostly to himself, with Chirp at his side. He had a rhythm. He appeared indomitable. The Nin began to thin out as Dracocor stabbed through their helmets. Then... A pygmy materialized. It was one of Malum's personal pets, and it was rather lost without its master to give its orders. It lunged at Seb faster than he could slash Dracocor. Seb dropped his sword and ripped the creature from him, throwing it to the ground. The pygmy bared its teeth and lunged again. Chirp caught it in midair and savagely gored it. Seb hastily picked up Dracocor and looked around. Everyone was immersed in their own duels. No one had noticed. Sebastian felt a twinge of pain on his neck. When he touched it, his glove coated with blood. Was it its teeth or its claws? He thought to himself. I need to tell Vivin. I have to find a medic. Then, a voice deep within him whispered. Keep fighting. Seb gripped Dracocor tight and fought a mace wielder. His body almost moved of its own volition. He slashed down his enemies until he felt a throb of pain too intense not to notice. Chirp defended him as he gave his head a shake. Seb recognized the symptoms. 
It had been the pygmy's teeth, after all. He blocked an attack with his forearms and stabbed his foe. His blood felt hot. He became dizzy. Sebastian dropped to his knees. There was a shout. Seb! It seemed so far away. Seb removed his gauntlet and glove and touched the wound tenderly. Pain shot through his neck and he cupped his hand over the bloody puncture marks. He heard screaming and looked up. Nocte was starting a rampage. Seb didn't understand. He felt disconnected from the world. He couldn't feel his dragon's emotions, but he knew he had to be stopped. Seb hastily sheathed Dracopor and pushed himself to his feet. He dashed over the field, somehow managing to avoid corpses, though his vision was blurring. Nocte opened his mouth to incinerate a group of soldiers, Cayenne included. Seb raced in front of them. Nocte, stop! The dragon's eyes were weaving in and out of dilation. He was losing control. The dragon breathed heavily, lashing his tail. Seb placed a hand on his dragon's muzzle. The wound on Seb's neck was plain to see. Settle down, Nock. I'm right here. Seb dropped to his knees again. He was too weak to stand. The black opal dragon wrapped himself around his tamer, allowing Seb to lean back on his flank. Seb's flesh felt like it was on fire, as if he was overheating and nothing could cool him. He gripped the wound, breathing heavily. Nocte snarled fiercely as Vivin neared the Great Tamer. Nocte's slit eyes made Vivin stop dead in his tracks. The Black Opal Dragon protected his Tamer with his wing and his tail, growling at the head guard as if he was a stranger. Nock, let him past, Seb grunted. The dragon unwillingly folded back his wing, and his tail lashed across the ground. Vivin raced to his side and dropped to his knees. He pulled Seb's hand away to examine the wound and whispered, Shit, did a pygmy do this? Seb! He glanced at the young man's face. Seb was incredibly pale, with beads of sweat rolling down his cheeks. Yeah. You've already used your serum. Good. Vivin breathed a sigh of relief, referring to the coagulant. A medic will- No. I used it on someone else. Seb mumbled. Vivin froze. What? Tell me that's a joke. Seb groaned in pain, and Vivin fumbled for the vial around his own neck. Don't bother, Sebastian smirked. It won't matter now. What? Vivin couldn't believe what he was hearing. You've only just been wounded. There's still time. Seb shook his head. It happened ten minutes ago. Vivin stared at the fading regent. He pressed his hand against the gushing wound, trying to think straight. You promised me. Nocte's voice entered his tamer's mind. What? Years ago, you promised me that you wouldn't let yourself get hurt. You lied. You let it happen over and over. But you promised. Seb felt a rush of overwhelming emotions from his dragon. Pain, sorrow, and regret. Seb opened his eyes. A number of Nen rushed to the scene. The regent was wounded. Now was their chance. Alice, Art, and dozens of Cayenne pushed them back, keeping the Great Tamer safe from further harm. A medic arrived and asked Vivin to help her remove Seb's breastplate. 
When the medic saw the undershirt below Seb's chainmail soaked in blood, she gave Vivian a hopeless look. Dad! Il dropped off Odax, who raced to his father's side. The teen looked between the medic and his father. Why aren't you doing anything? Do something! Odie, Seb put a hand on his son's thigh. It's too late. The medic bowed out respectfully, and Odax choked. What are you talking about? His father was deathly pale. I'll never be able to replace all of this blood. It's best not to prolong it. Dad! A wry grin danced on the Great Tamer's lips. This is another reason why I didn't want you here on the battlefield. Vivin's hand trembled when a fresh gush of blood spilled between his fingers, and Seb groaned. Uh, I didn't want you to go through what I did. Odax held his father's hand tight, trying desperately not to cry. We can get a sorrow. We can... Seb shook his head, making himself flinch. Listen to me. Take care of your mother, and especially your sister. Dad... Please don't, Odax's voice wavered, and tell Tanner that I love him. Just as Odax was at his breaking point, they heard another shout. Another, Dad! Sable landed and Lumen threw off her helmet. Her golden hair fell about her shoulders. She raced over, dropping at her brother's side. Lou, for Kyan's sake, Seb grit his teeth angrily. You don't even have armor. What are you doing here? Her brother chastised, startled by her appearance. I wanted to fight. I couldn't stand by while everyone else went. Seb jerked and stiffened in pain, and they went silent. My brave girl, as brilliant as you are, you think with your heart, not your head. It'll get you in trouble someday. Seb was faintly amused though mostly terrified by the thought of her being there. I'm sorry. No, you're not, Seb said flatly. He was beginning to struggle to keep his head up. Vivin carefully supported his jaw with his free hand. Odie, keep doing what you're doing. You're going to be an incredible head guard one day. I couldn't be more proud of you. Seb grit his teeth as blood oozed from the wound. And you, troublemaker, you're going to be the greatest Cayenne captain anyone's ever seen. Shouldn't be hard, since I'm your dad. His wry joke gutted his family members. Seb paused. He was clearly in agony. His breathing was becoming more and more shallow. I'm so sorry. I'm not going to be there for you. He choked out, and a tear slipped down his cheek. I've been thankful for every single second I've been able to spend with you. Tears streamed down Lumen's face. Odax held his breath, forcing all of his emotions to stay in. Vivin had closed his eyes. He felt Seb's hand touch his, the one over the wound. Blood was running down Vivin's arm now. The young man was losing it at such a rate. He looked into Seb's watery, honey-brown eyes. Seb murmured, 
It's not your fault, Vivian. Seb closed his eyes as he winced in pain. He held Vivian's gaze again. If I had kept my helmet on... Don't worry about that, Seb, the older man pleaded softly. I've never been any good at listening, he murmured weakly. His breathing slowed suddenly, and he shut his eyes. Sebastian's hand didn't leave, not yet. When it seemed as though he wasn't breathing at all, he whispered, Tell her I'm sorry. I couldn't keep my promise this time. His hand slipped from Vivian's. Dad, Lumen cried softly. Vivian knew, however, that Seb wasn't completely gone. He glanced over his shoulder at Nocte. The dragon's emerald eyes were slits, glassy and fixed. The dragon was eerily motionless. Memories flashed through Sebastian's mind. His first kiss, riding Nocte through the clouds, holding his babies as they took their first breaths. Seb! Seb! Don't leave me! Nocte's voice cried using Vox Draco. You promised me! I can't stay. Flashes. Odak skinning his first rabbit, and Lumen giggling in a pillow fort she laid siege to. Please don't leave me! I can't live without you, Nocte begged, frantic. Don't leave me alone, Seb. Sebastian saw Nocte's egg hatch on the hearth at the forge, and the tiny, gray dragon crawled out. Then, the scene slipped backward in time and played out in full. He was chasing a little red-headed girl through a sea of waving grass. She looked back over her shoulder and smiled. How he loved those freckles. Then he raced through a sleepy little village, where smoke rose from chimneys and windows glowed. He opened the door to his house, and his mother and father were there waiting for him, glad to have him home. Nocte. Vivin saw the dragon stir. He leapt to his feet and shouted, Move! He and Odax had to haul Lumen away from Seb's body as Nocte rose to his paws. The great tamer was dead and his dragon unhinged. Nocte attacked the nearest people. He didn't care which side they were on. He slashed at them with his talons and blasted them with his flames. Nocte roared wretchedly as he destroyed everything he could touch. Lumen couldn't take her eyes off of her father's body. It was laying in the field, motionless and cold. Chirp curled up next to the great tamer, resting his chin on Seb's chest. Everyone else watched Nocte's rampage. Kaylee and the other dragons didn't dare approach him. They knew they would be slaughtered. So the humans continued to run away, though some tried to throw their spears and arrows. Stop this! Le Nuage dropped out of the sky in front of Nocte. The black opal dragon hesitated, lashing his tail. There was one dragon alive more grand than he, and that was Lane Nuage. Nocte began to circle the crimson-scaled dragon. I lost Kayin to war as well. I understand the pain of your grief, but I did not lose myself. 
Would your tamer have wanted this? Nocte roared in response. The dragon couldn't be reasoned with. His primal state was too intense. He lunged at another nearby group of people, and the elder dragon leapt in front. Stop this, or I will make you. Le Nuage spoke over the newly dead bodies of Nocte's victims. The dragons circled each other, eyes locked. Their tails lashed. Nocte arched his back and bared his teeth. Then, the Great Tamer's dragons fought. They smashed each other with their giant paws and grappled. Lane forced Nocte onto his back, and the Black Opal Dragon kicked violently. He scrambled to his paws as Lane Nuage was thrown backward. The Crimson Dragon lunged forward and latched onto the bone of Nocte's wing. Nocte tried to break free, roaring in pain. Sable, do something! Lumen begged her dragon. But the feathered creature was rooted to the spot. She knew there was nothing she could do but watch and hope for her father's victory. Odie, send ale! Why? Odax asked distantly. So she can die too? Nocte's body slammed his elder, and he raked his razor-sharp teeth across the dragon's torso. Lane bellowed in agony. He smacked Nocte away and used his flamethrower. Nocte countered with his ice beam. The collision created a wet spray. Nocte used the distraction to jump onto the elder dragon. Nocte wrestled his way onto Lane's back and clamped his jaws around the dragon's neck. The legendary dragon tried to shake Nocte off, but to no avail. Lane hurtled forward and stopped dead suddenly, throwing Nocte from his back. The instant Nocte rose to his paws, Lane used his own ice beam on Nocte's forepaws. The solid ice cemented the black opal dragon to the ground. Lane soared over Nocte and shoved him onto his flank. One of Nocte's paws was still trapped as Lane Nuage split open the dragon's stomach with his talons. As the black opal dragon lost nearly half of his internal organs, Lane snapped his jaws around Nocte's trapped paw and crushed his wrist. Lane Nuage backed off, lifting his head high. The battlefield was still as Nocte pushed himself up. He cradled his injured paw to his chest as he limped across the field. Strings of entrails dragged along the ground, leaving a bloody trail. His left wing was ripped along the bone. His mouth was ajar as he panted for breath. Nocte collapsed on the ground next to Seb, and Chirp hurried out of the way. Nocte laid his long neck over his tamer's torso and rested a paw on Seb's legs. Then, he closed his gorgeous emerald eyes, never to be opened again. While the soldiers stirred and murmured amongst themselves, Lumen put her hands on her hips and exhaled shakily. Sable roared heartbreakingly. Lumen turned away, breathing hard. Odax grabbed her shoulders, getting her to face him. Lou, settle down. The distraught teen looked like she was going to be ill. She was pale and visibly shaken. Settle down? Dad and Nocte are dead, and you want me to calm down? Anguished tears welled in her blue eyes. Dad tried to protect you from this. He told you to stay away, but you didn't, because you don't listen. You never listen. Odax's voice cracked with emotion. If you want to break down, I get it. It hurts. It's awful. 
Odax stated, filled with grief. But you put yourself in this situation, and you're going to have to get over it for now. We've got a battle to finish. Lumen was silent as she searched her brother's eyes. She regained some of her color. Instead of arguing, she nodded and simply said, Okay. Odax held her gaze for another moment, then stepped back and unsheathed his sword. Let's go. Zayraid swallowed his emotions as Odax had done, and regarded his somber soldiers sternly. Most of them were upset, and many had red, bleary eyes. Sebastian truly meant something to the people of the Cayenne. Zayraid made up his mind and leapt onto Kroor's saddle. Even without lifting into the air, everyone's attention was drawn to the crown prince. We will have time to mourn their loss later. First, we must finish what our great Tamer could not do himself. Let us vanquish the Nin and make them rue the day they ever stood against Sebastian Alor. He unsheathed his sword and the Cayenne shouted in determination. As Zayraid led the soldiers back to battle, Arthur stepped in front of Vivin and gave his shoulders a rousing shake. Viv, we'll take care of them later, okay? Vivin forced himself to look at Arthur instead of the corpses. Art was being gentle with him. Your grandkids are over there dueling the Nin right now. We need to protect them. Vivin dropped his gaze and slowly returned to the fight. Seeing Lumen and Odax defeat their enemies with such spirit despite the situation gave Vivin the resolve he needed to finish the harrowing battle. Though the Orin kept a very close eye on the teens, Odax diligently watched over his sister. He constantly checked over his shoulder for her. They didn't stop moving until every Nin was dead. Units of the Cayenne did sweeps, killing any wounded survivors. They piled the Nin for the dragons to burn later. The lone dragons promptly left the battleground at that point, after taking one final look at the fallen Great Tamer and his dragon. The Tamer limped over to Odax and Lumen and handed a helmet to the young man. The Tamer nodded respectfully and rode off on their dragon. Odax brushed his thumb over a scratch on the titanium helmet, his father's. He tucked it under his arm as he pulled his sister in for a hug. She looked so exhausted that she could fall over at any minute. Arthur told Vivin he would escort them back to the palace. He said it would be best for them to sleep in their own beds that night. Vivin nodded in agreement. He didn't want them to be there for what had to happen next. Chirp was making a low, mournful sound when Vivin approached the two corpses. Vivin stopped short of the regent's body and gripped the back of his neck, trying to keep his composure. Alice squeezed his arm. She was crying. She wasn't going to try and hold anything back. The young man they'd protected for over 20 years was dead at their feet. Come on, she sniffed. She gently moved aside Nocte's paw from Seb's legs. Chirp stayed nestled in the crook of the Great Tamer's arm with no intention of moving. Alice and Vivin got on either side of Nocte's head. His handsome, sculpted head was heavy as dead weight. Kirk appeared next to Alice, and the three lifted the dragon's skull off of Seb's chest. Kaylee landed next to them and crouched to the ground. Please allow me the honor of carrying him home. She, too, was recalling her early memories of the Great Tamer, the days when he barely knew how to wield a sword or ride a dragon. Those first days before Seb was introduced to the Oren 
and it was just the two tamers and dragons on the road. Simple days. Kirk pushed his glasses up the bridge of his nose and cleared his throat. <clears throat> Vivin, you good? Vivin, who had his head bowed and his hand over his brow, nodded slowly. Let's get him up. They lifted Seb's torso and held him in a seated position, then put his arms about their shoulders. They stood and lifted the young man's solid, muscular frame up to Kaylee. Alice removed the saddle, and they laid Seb across the dragon's back. Are you going with? Kirk asked quietly. Yes. Vivin murmured bleakly. Lord Oril, Kael, and Grimmin joined them, and Alice asked, What do we do about him? Everyone looked at Nocte's disemboweled corpse. Lord Orel mentioned softly, Should they fall in battle, it is tradition for the Great Tamer and their dragon to be cremated together at the sight of their death. That's not happening, Vivian growled quietly. Everyone knew that Fauna had to be considered. She had to see it for herself and be present for the funeral. We're never going to be able to carry him back to Imperial like that. Kirk sniffed tearfully. Lord Orel cleared his throat. <clears throat> I understand it is rather morbid. However, the easiest course of action is to dismember him. We shouldn't be having this conversation. Alice cried bitterly, wiping away her tears. Seb's too young for this. Kirk put his arm around Alice's shoulders to comfort her, since Vivian was staring at the ground miserably. I'll do it. I don't mind. The Elvish King raised his hand in dismissal. I will take care of it. I have handled far worse. You should. He glanced at Vivin, and Kirk nodded. Are you ready? Kirk asked his friend softly. Vivin's jaw tensed, and he mounted his dragon without a word. He kept a firm hand on Seb's back. Kaylee's wings swept powerfully, and they ascended smoothly into the air. Thanks for listening to Chapter 75 of A Dragon Tamer's Fable, and thank you for supporting the podcast so far. With two more episodes to go, we've had quite the journey. Thank you for being here. If you've been enjoying the podcast, please share, subscribe, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews help more people find the podcast, so it's a huge help. And if you're able to give a DTF an extra hand, please check out the merch and support tabs on the website. To stay up to date on content, check out a DTF podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, feel free to email dragontamerpodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your thoughts, so don't be shy. Until next time, keep slaying anything but dragons. <laughs>